Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. This is where top performers share their secrets to help you achieve your personal and professional goals. I am your host, Denise Griffiths, and together with my incredible guests, we will bring you inspiring and actionable insights that will help you take your life and your business to the next level. This podcast is ranked in the top 2% of the most popular podcasts in the world. So in my opinion, that makes this a must listen. And again, it's all because of my guests. So today I welcome Lee Phillips, a seasoned entrepreneur who revolutionized Utah's high-tech industry as the founder of Lee Scientific. And his visionary initiatives paved the way for renowned companies like WordPerfect, Novell, and DSearch, and laying the foundation for Google's search engine, which is pretty impressive. So despite facing a challenging health crisis, his determination remained unwavering. He founded Legal Lees, that's Legal Lees, his name, in 1985, focusing on assisting small business owners and real estate investors with asset protection. And as a federal tax court attorney, Lee's expertise in addressing tax liabilities and advocating for the utilization of LLCs, which is really what we're talking about today, has made him a respected authority in the field. Good morning, Lee. Welcome to the podcast. It's good to have you here. And before we get started, can you share a bit about you, what inspired you to pursue your current career or passion, and how did you get started? Okay, it's good to be with you. Thank you for having me, Denise. Uh, Appreciate that. Uh, About me, well, where do we start? No, Uh, I'm uh, a lawyer, but I also have a big scientific background. A uh, bachelor's degree in geology and physics and a master's in nuclear chemistry. And I graduated from law school and I was supposed to be a patent attorney. And I worked in the patent firm for a couple of uh, months. And then I got sick. I got really sick. I was diagnosed with terminal cancer and given two to three weeks to live. And so didn't have much to lose. And I became the national guinea pig. I was one of the first in the nation to have multiple chemotherapies given all at the same time. And they had no clue how to dose them. And the first dose they gave me was roughly at 10 times what they'd give a critical patient today. They basically use the same chemotherapy agents. And they, when somebody's really critical, they'll do what's called a bone marrow kill. They'll uh, give you chemotherapy agents strong enough that they kill everything, including your bone marrow and Uh, the short story is, is they didn't know what they were doing, but it worked. And I spent six months in an ICU unit at a university hospital, average cancer patient, two, three treating doctors. I had 53 treating doctors and we received bills from over 250 doctors. And I'm aware that probably well over a thousand doctors participated in my treatment. So uh, I didn't work for three years. And when you've been that sick, particularly at the beginning of your your career, just when you're out of college, you suddenly become unemployable. And so I 
went back to the university where I'd gotten my master's in chemistry and I'd helped work on a project, invented a, a new type of chemistry instrumentation called supercritical fluid chromatography. And uh, in my three or four weeks as a patent attorney, I'd started the patent on it. And while I was sick, the patent issued. So I went back to the university and said, hey, man, give me a license to this. I, I want to make this. I want to start a company and make this. And they said, we have no clue what a license is. And I said, well, I'll write you one. So I wrote them a great license, actually. And um, developed Lee Scientific. We sold it in three or four years to a, a major chemistry instrumentation manufacturing company down in Silicon Valley. But we were the first in the state to receive the SBIR grants and and all of these different government things that that helped little companies get on the road. And so we kind of laid the foundation of, of high-tech stuff. The governor spent about 20 minutes of his State of the Union address one year talking about Lee Scientific and how this was the future of the state of Utah. And Utah is a huge, uh, well, we have an area of the state called Silicon Slopes instead of Silicon Valley down in California. And we've attracted many, many high-tech companies. We have one of the largest uh, um, chip makers in, in, the, in the United States, if maybe only chip maker. No, I'm sure there's more than one, but we have a huge chip manufacturing facility here and, and that sort of stuff. So I then went from there. Uh, I gave the university a little bit of stock in my company. And the university made about a million dollars off of my stock. And they came to me and said, could you do this again? And I said, yeah, I could do it again. So I started the technology transfer company or division of the university. Uh, started on a secretary's desk in the, in the uh, bottom of the administration building. And by the time I left five years later, we had a suite of offices on the, uh, main floor of the administration building. The the universities, I'm not sure what the number is, but I'm sure it's over a billion dollars that they've brought in in, uh, in licensing, using the university's technologies to transfer from the university out to the to the public. The the universities are places where things are invented and research is done. And if you can apply that out into the public, it becomes very effective. Can you imagine what would have happened if they said, no, we're not going to license this to you. You did it while you were here. It's ours. Oh, it was theirs. The license says that it's theirs and that I get to use it. Uh, But no, that's why the university gets a royalty and gets stock and, you know, uh, gets a value out of out of what they've created at the university. The things that are created at the university are considered the universities. Uh, So the way you transfer uh, permission, legal rights to that technology is through a license, but the ownership remains with the university. So no, they they did claim it appropriately, and I knew that, but I, I wanted to have the rights transferred to me so that I could produce it, could use it. And 
licensing is the in many respects the currency of of this uh last 50 years and maybe well into the future because back in the old days the bell labs and the the AT&T labs these big labs created the technologies that we used and uh with the advent of the internet people can access research and they can do what these big labs did and they can do it in their garage mm-hmm. they have access to all of the information and so bell labs isn't anymore uh g a uh, ge's labs aren't there anymore where they hired the researchers and everybody's creating technologies everybody's creating intellectual property and the way you you move the rights of that intellectual property is is through licensing and so licensing has become a critical uh sector of 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 our industries now uh, i actually wrote the federal handbook for licensing patents copyrights and trademarks because i theorized that it was the attorney that was holding up this whole transfer process and if the if if a license could be created without a lawyer involved and that's a complex thing because a license is not a form legal document it's a unique document uh but i made it so that basically anybody could write a five page license agreement or a 55 page license agreement didn't matter uh, and you could bring all the elements together. And I created a computer program that did that. But that's not what we're really here to talk about. What we're here to talk about is what I've learned. I'm going to say in asset protection. The uh, When I was sick, I, I lost everything. The legal system took me to the cleaners. And I was a lawyer. And... I said, this isn't going to happen to me again. So one of the passions that I've had over the years is asset protection. How do I make it so that if I get sick, I don't lose my business? And I did lose a business when I was sick. I'd started a little chemistry laboratory and it was a mess because we, the IRS actually came in and said that we owed taxes for two years before we'd even started the business. and I couldn't argue with them because I was in the hospital. And so they came in and they took my personal bank accounts. They wiped us out. They took my business bank accounts. They wiped us out. Uh, and I couldn't pay employees and I couldn't complete my government contracts. And and I was sued over all of that. And two years later, the IRS said, gee, I guess we made a mistake, didn't we? Do you think? You think, yeah. And they paid all my money back with interest, but I'd lost my business. And I'd, 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 I was being sued because I couldn't feel it was a mess. And so over the years, I've, I've studied how do I protect my business if I get sick? How do I protect me if there's a, a lawsuit or a problem in the business? How do I, uh, how do I make it so that, that, that if I have, my real estate investments, they aren't affected if my business goes down or if the real estate industry goes to hell in a basket and I lose my properties, how do I make it so I don't lose my business? How do I divide all this stuff up? 
And as I've worked on it over the years, I've uh, lawyers talk about protecting you from what happens in the business. That's called the corporate shield. And it protects the owners of the business, the officers, directors, from what happens within the company. But they never talk about how do I protect the business from what happens to the individual, the individual owners, the individual sole owner. Uh, or I've got a company with three or four owners and one of them gets divorced. How do I make it so that that I suddenly don't have a new uh, new partner, the ex-spouse? Uh, and then I've, as I, as we've worked with it, I've realized that your biggest asset protection threat is actually the IRS. Uh, if we put it bluntly, they're taking a huge percentage of everything a small businessman makes. And that's your asset protection threat. It They're taking 30, 40, 50% of everything you pull in the door. That's that's a huge asset protection law or asset loss. Uh, so how do you deal with the IRS? And so over the years, I've become a federal tax court attorney and 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 looked at it and said, you know, we we've got to deal with these guys. And I got, I guess the polite word is, I got screwed by them in the beginning. They made a mistake, but I lost everything. And so the government intervention in the small businesses is a huge problem. Um, I think most people understand that at gut level, nobody likes the IRS. Nobody. And it's well, just, they, they, it is. they form a form of a purpose for us. And, and people don't understand the effect of taxes. Uh, a little history on taxes. We didn't have taxes until 1913, and, and Congress and the president uh, said, just, just let us uh, uh, tax you, pass an amendment, let us tax you. And they swore that it'd never go above 8.5%. They did. I've read about that. And, and uh, I've got news for you, Denise. The politicians in 1913 lied just as good as they do today. Uh, but within a couple of years, it had gone up to, to 75%. It came back down in the twenties and what happened to the economy in the twenties? They called it the roaring twenties. The economy went nuts when the tax rate came down from 75% to 25%. And then it was going along pretty good and the economy was sputtering and Herbert, Herbert Hoover uh, raised the tax uh, from 25% up to, I think he got to 80%. And that put the economy into a tailspin. And in 1929, we had the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the taxes killed business, period. But yeah. There's, there doesn't seem to be much we can do about it other than to do what you're talking about today is protect ourselves. But really, I think most people consider taxes at pretty much any level to be legalized theft. Well, we need the infrastructure of the government. We need to do our roles. We need, yep. Our government has, has, and I'm going to say that in a past tense, 
been pretty good at giving us stuff that they paid for with taxes. But the government budget in the last five or six years has doubled. And that they have doubled the number of federal employees. Uh, so it's out of control now. But let me put it in perspective for you to, to continue the story. In the 50s and 60s, the tax went up, the high tax, the highest tax bracket went up to 92%. And I remember a clip of Ronald Reagan as an actor saying, I will never make another movie. I don't make any money. Well, yeah, if you make a million dollars and you pay 920000 of it out in tax, you don't make a lot of money. Robert, Re uh, or yeah, Robert Redford, <laughs> Ronald Reagan as president brought it down from uh, these super high rates. I think he started at 70 some odd percent and dropped it to 28%. And we've basically been historic low taxes since Reagan. And you might not understand that we are now at basically historic tax low. When Reagan dropped a tax, the economy went nuts. And you'd think the politicians would figure out when they drop the tax, the economy goes nuts. They called Reagan an idiot, but he collected more taxes than anybody else had ever done. Because the business has flourished and he got his money. And so I, I don't know where we're going with taxes right now, but let me give you a little demonstration to, to, to show you what taxes do to you. If you take a dollar and you double it 20 times, $1, $2, 4, 8, 8, 16, 32, you got it? Mm -hmm. You end up with a million $48,000 plus change. Million forty eight five something. If you take the same dollar and you tax each increase at forty percent between federal and state, forty percent isn't unreasonable. So we take one dollar and we double it, but we got a dollar in profit, so we have to tax it at forty percent. So we don't end up with two dollars; we end up with a buck sixty because we took forty cents off the extra dollar. If you double it. Dollar sixty, you get three twenty, but we have to tax it, so you end up with two fifty six. So you understand what we're doing, right? I do. So on the one hand, we've got a million forty eight thousand. On the other hand, we've taken a forty percent tax. That means you've lost four hundred thousand dollars because we basically had a million uh, dollars on the one hand. We taxed it at forty percent, so you've lost four hundred thousand dollars, right? Not likely. You've got 600,000 left. No, let's see. Uh, how much do I have? I've got a million 48. I tax it at 40%. So 90% of the people say, okay, you got 600,000 left. You took $400,000 off. The answer is no, you don't have 600. You don't have 400. You don't have 200. You don't have 150. You don't have 100,000. You don't have 50,000. You have a grand total of $12,089. So, on the one hand, I had a million 48. I taxed my dollar doubled at 40%. I have $12,089.
the eighth wonder of the world is compound interest, right? Remember that one? Exactly. And I just wrote that down. I I wanted to ask you about that because while you were talking and I was trying to keep up with the math, it's not my strong suit. All I could think was this is compound taxing, like compound interest. I mean, well, taxes are compound interest in reverse. Right. That's what I was. That's what most people don't understand. Exactly. If I can save you 10 or 20 percent of taxes. I mean, we're not going to eliminate taxes. I'm not here to say we don't pay taxes. We're constitutional citizens. We don't have. No, that's all garbage. We pay taxes. But if I can cut your taxes by 10 or 20 percent, that's huge. That's not $200 out of a thousand. That's millions of dollars over your lifetime, guys. Uh, So the IRS is your biggest asset protection threat. And people don't understand that. If we really understood what taxes were, people would rebel. There'd be no way they'd pay taxes. But uh, in fact, I think that's what they were doing uh, when they formed the United States of America. There was a a tea party or something. I can't remember what they were doing, but they were fighting the taxes, right? They were fighting taxes. Yeah. That's why we we went to war, was to, to get out of the tax. And we're right back in the mire. We really are. And that's why I wanted to, and that's why I wanted you to come on the show today, because we're talking about asset protection. And I know that during the pre-interview you and I had, you you told me that you wanted to talk about why an LLC has twice the asset protection of a corporation. So let's talk about that, because I think that's really important information for our audience to have. Let me transition into it by saying that your small business is your tax shelter. And your accountants never brought you in, put his arm around you and said, you know, we really need to teach you how to use your small business as a tax shelter. You've got two tax shelters that you can use. One is your small business. The other one is your real estate investing. Those are your two tax shelters. Trump can't let the public, he can't even let real estate investors look at his tax return. Because if you really understood the power that real estate investment has as a tax shelter, uh, it'd blow the public's mind. And so you've got to learn to use these two tax shelters that we do have. And you're small, you're dealing with small business people, Denise. Uh, That's their tax shelter. And so they need to learn to use it as a tax shelter. And the LLC is, is the most flexible tax entity that we have because you get to choose how you want it to be taxed. And how you want it to be taxed depends upon how you're making your money. So the LLC is a business structure and gives you the maximum tax flexibility. It also, as you said, gives you double the asset protection of a corporation. <clears throat> Basically, the LLC, excuse me, chokes me all up. <laughs> The LLC was created in 1977 in Wyoming. 
And basically what they did is they married a corporation and a partnership. So they got the DNA from the mommy and the dad, daddy corporation and the mommy partnership. In the DNA of the corporation, they took the corporate shield, which protects the individual owners, officers, directors, the guys working in the company from problems that arise in the company. That's the corporate shield. And that's where the lawyers spend their time. But they got another element. They got DNA from the mommy partnership. And if anybody says, you know, a partnership, the knee-jerk reaction of a lawyer is there's no asset protection in a partnership. Yeah, there is, guys. There is. Uh, Let me give you a two-second history lesson, okay? Sure. 400 years ago in England, the only type of business structure there was was a partnership. So me and you and Joe, we go into business together and we spend 30 years and we create a beautiful business. Well, Joe goes out and he gets in trouble. Now, I'll give it to you. I'm not quite sure how you got in trouble. 400 years ago in England, you hit somebody with your horse. You didn't pay the king. You got divorced. Uh, you got in, Joe got in trouble. And Joe gets sued. His creditors, the guy suing him, wins the lawsuit. They get his partnership interest. So Joe's creditor now becomes yours and mine's partner. The problem is any one of the partners can sell a partnership. They can do whatever they want with the partnership. So Joe's creditor comes in. He sells the business out from under me and you. We just lost 30 years worth of work. We didn't do anything wrong. Joe screwed up. We didn't screw up. Right. And the Brits said, well, wait a minute. This isn't fair. It isn't fair to Lee and Denise. So they passed a law which said that the creditor, the guy suing Joe, when he gets the judgment against Joe, he wins. Then he can't just take over Joe's partnership. He has to go back to court and ask for an order which charges the debt that Joe owes against the partnership that Lee and Denise have. And Joe's still a partner, by the way, too. And and they have what we call an economic lien against the partnership. If the partnership declares a profit and distributes it to the partners, Joe doesn't get his share. You and I still get our share. Oh, okay. But Joe's share goes to his creditor. We're paying off the debt that Joe owes this guy. And so he goes back to court and he gets what's called a charging order, which charges the debt against the partnership. So what that does is it protects the company, the partnership, from the debts, the problems of the owners. And so when Wyoming created the LLC, they took the corporate shield from the daddy corporation 
and they took the charging order protection from the mommy partnership. So now if one of the owners, we call them members of the LLC gets in trouble personally, they get sick, they declare personal bankruptcy. And by the way, 56% of all bankruptcies in the United States are a result of somebody in the family getting sick. I did know that. Uh, that's an asset protection problem, isn't it? Very much. So the question is, if somebody in the family gets sick, the family has to declare personal bankruptcy. Is the business or the real estate included in that bankruptcy? And the answer is, if it's a corporation, yes. Your ownership of the corporation is included in the bankruptcy. If it's an LLC, a limited liability company, then the answer is no. The bankruptcy trustee has to ask the court for an order charging the debt against the LLC. And so the LLC has not only what we call a corporate shield, but it has what we call charging order protection. And the lawyers never talk about that. But I've seen more people lose their business because the family got in trouble. The real estate holdings went south. Uh, then I have people lose their personal assets because the company got in trouble. Lee, why don't why don't attorneys talk about this? It seems like it's pretty critical information to have. It's very critical information to have, and and frankly, <clears throat> I'm going to say the majority of attorneys they can't tell you the story I just told you. They can't tell you why or what this charging order is. They probably have heard the word, but they don't understand the real effect mm -hmm. of of the charging order protection. Uh, and so it becomes a critical element in asset protection. How do I protect the company from me? And if it's a corporation, I can't. I get sued because I hit the kid in the crosswalk on the way to church. That's not a business problem, is it? Uh, I get sued. <clears throat> they come and they get my stock in my corporation they now own the corporation lock, stock, and barrel. The stock is one of my assets they're going to take away from me. My membership interest, my stock in the LLC, they can't take that away from me. Mm -hmm. That's huge, Denise. Uh, that That's a huge element in your asset protection. Yeah, I don't know anything about this other than what I'm learning from you today, but my eyebrows are going up. Oh, no, like, but you've talked to, you've talked to business people for forever. I have, yeah. And yet nobody's ever brought this up with you. Nope. You didn't hear about LLCs really until about 2006. You never heard about them until 1997ish. Uh a couple of reasons for that. The IRS came back uh, when 1977, the uh, 
LLC was created in Wyoming. And one of the first questions was, okay, Mr. IRS, how are you going to tax this? And it took the IRS 20 years. It takes the IRS 20 years to do anything. Uh, and they asked the IRS, we actually, they created subchapter S for little corporations. We expected them to create subchapter T or whatever it is for, for little LLCs. Well, the IRS came back and said, I don't care how you tax it. You choose. Do you want it taxed as a sole proprietorship, what we call a disregarded entity? Do you want it taxed as a partnership? Do you want it taxed under subchapter S? Do you want it taxed under chapter C, like a C corporation? We don't care. You choose. Then the lawyers got together and they created a uniform LLC act. There's 180 uniform acts. The lawyers get together and they write the ideal situation. And then the states adopt the act, basically. They make little changes in it for each state, but basically they adopt these uniform acts. And so until really 2006, the last big uniform LLC act was 2006. Lawyers would tell you, I don't think you want to use an LLC. We're not sure how the courts are going to do it. <coughs> and finally, in 2006, all the states adopted, or a lot of states adopted, these, this Uniform LLC Act. And the Uniform LLC Act said the only remedy of a creditor, of a member, a stockholder, of an LLC is to get a charging order. And so we now knew that the charging order was a definite protection against an LLC. And the states have all adopted that, but we've got a wrinkle in it. And the wrinkle in it is, uh, the first case was uh, all read in, uh, in Denver, Colorado, and that was screwed. About 10 years later, there was a case in Florida, a guy named Mr. Olmstead. Mr. Olmstead is a dirty dude. He embezzles tens of millions of dollars, swindles tens of millions of dollars out of Floridians. And the government actually gets a hold of him and they throw him in jail. And they say, okay, Mr. Olmstead, you've got these tens of millions of dollars over here in this LLC. We want that money back we're going to give it back to your victims and mr olmstead had set up an llc mr olmstead had read the law the mm -hmm. law said that the only recourse against an owner of an llc is a charging order. order i'm paying attention i'm writing down notes so mr olmstead sticks his tongue out at him and says nah, 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 nah. You can't get those tens of millions of dollars, go to court, get a charging order. And by the way, I'm sitting in jail. How often do you think I'm going to declare a profit on these tens of millions of dollars? Screw you. Go pound sand. Well, he told the Supreme Court justices in Florida to go pound sand. 
there's only one problem with that. <clears throat> there's a lot of sand in Florida. The Supreme <laughs> Court justices ain't interested in pounding sand. No. So they scratched the little noodle and they said, okay, what's the purpose of a charging order? The purpose of the charging order wasn't to protect Joe. We didn't care about Joe. The purpose of the charging order was to protect Denise and Lee. Mr. Olmstead, this is a single member, one owner, LLC. You don't got any Denise and Lee. Mr. Olmstead, henceforth and forever in Florida, a single member LLC does not receive charging order protection. Screw you. Okay. And I follow, but that's kind of backtracking, isn't it? How did they how did they justify this? I mean, I like it, but how did they justify it? Because it was there and then it wasn't? Well, the Supreme Court didn't can do what they want, basically. There's that, yeah. They're supposed to follow the law. In this case, they didn't like the law because it protected Mr. Olmstead and he's tens of millions of dollars. So they thought, what was the purpose of the law? We're not following the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law isn't to protect Olmstead, it's to protect his partners. Okay, now I'm following. He doesn't have any partners. So they use that logic to undo the law, to undo the law in, in Florida and to change the law. And they changed it so that a single owner didn't get charging order protection. Utah and Idaho have now passed laws. Their laws say single members don't get it. And we have about 15 states that are saying single members don't get charging orders. Uh, the West Coast uh, Ninth Circuit says that single member LLCs don't get protection in charging order protection in bankruptcies. So the nation is moving with this logic. And so I'm going to say you need more than one member, more than one owner of your little business. In a community property state, we have seven, eight of those, mostly the West Coast. It's the Spanish law. Uh, in the community property states, they say, okay, uh, husband and wife can't be two owners. The husband and wife are one legal entity. In other states, you can maybe make husband and wife. Add your kid for 5%. Get a partner. Okay. Hmm. Um, when you say husband and wife, I'm thinking my brain just went automatically to the really cheesy, you know, crime movies that I've watched over time. It's where a wife can't be legally bound to um, talk about her husband in court. You know, same thing if they're married, they cannot be called to, to be a witness, I think. And that's where well, my that yeah you 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 went south on me okay Denise <laughs> sorry <laughs> that's a whole I don't di watch it, I don't watch it on TV whole, but that stuck with me that's a whole different thing the question is can the husband and the wife each own property own assets independent of each other 
Okay, gotcha. And in a community property state, the answer is basically no. There are exceptions, but, you know, inheritance, gifts, that sort of thing. What you bring into the marriage. But basically, husband and wife don't own property separately. In common law states, uh, then the husband and wife do own property separately. Or can. And by the way, from an asset protection standpoint, if you're in a common law state, not a community property state, the husband and wife shouldn't own stuff. I mean, my wife and I, we never owned anything together. Uh, we we own nothing together. Uh, ownership of assets has nothing to do with love. Uh, my wife died four years ago almost of a disease called ALS. It's a bad one. Don't get that one. It is. And, uh, and uh, you know, we, we, our, our estates were totally separate. We did a lot of asset protection stuff because we knew she was dying. And if you know, who's going to die first, you can do a lot of things. Interesting. That's another story, but back to our, our LLC, the LLC gives you the charging order protection and the corporate shield. You will not use a corporation. If you have a corporation, that's the way your business is set up. You need to change it. Your state has a form and you can change from a corporation to an LLC. You do not change your accounting. You do not change your EIN number, your employer identification number, your IRS ID. Uh, you don't have to change the fact that you're filing under subchapter S. Uh, nothing changes except the basic legal structure of the company. Uh, now you're going to have to notify all the people you deal with that you're no longer a corporation. You're an LLC. You're going to have to uh, change your letterhead, change your business cards, change all of that crap, because you have to let the public know they are not dealing with a corporate entity anymore. They are dealing with an LLC, a limited liability company now. And if you do that, then you can make this conversion from a corporation to an LLC. And it's not too big a deal. And well, and that leads me, we touched on it just a little bit. We're talking about LLC. What tax structure? I mean, how do you know once you've made that move where you started out as an LLC? You said that there are multiple ways to save or be taxed. So how do you know what tax structure you want? What Which one do you choose? Well, it depends on how you're making your money. If you are doing real estate and I've got my LLC set up. I put my real estate into it so that the real estate's protected and and maybe I have multiple LLCs uh, and I have different pieces of property in LLCs. The real estate gurus today will tell you you need a separate LLC for each piece of property. I can't do uh, 30 LLCs. You just can't maintain them, guys. Uh, For example, I have 12 pieces of property. I have 
four LLCs. I can't do 12. There's the old adage, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Well, yeah, okay, you got a dozen eggs. Are you going to have a dozen baskets? You can't walk down the street carrying a dozen baskets, guys. Uh, But if I have three baskets with four eggs in them each, then if I drop one of the baskets, I only lose a portion of my wealth. Uh, So, you know, don't go overboard, all right? And and I I'm, had a guy call me up years ago, and the guy had used limited partnerships instead of LLCs because he did this before LLCs came around, really. And the lawyer had gotten hold of these two doctors in California, and they had 53 properties. And he had set up a separate limited liability company or excuse me, limited partnership, which had the charging order protection. That's why he did it. Uh, He set up 53 of them and he was good. He only charged the lawyers or the doctors $5,000. And that's 5,000 per. Yeah, I'm doing the math. Yeah. If that's, you're doing the math on the back of the napkin, yeah, that's, that's a chunk, guys. It's a chunk, is right. And then he said, "Well, you you're in California. California is eight hundred bucks a year for an LLC or a limited partnership or a corporation or whatever it is. <clears throat> you want these limited partnerships to be in Utah, my state. And by the way, the the lawyer says I'm not only a lawyer; I'm an accountant too." You doctors, you're busy. I'll do all of the 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 legwork. I'll do the accounting. I'll do all the work for you, and I'm only going to charge you fifteen hundred bucks. Is this going to go as badly as I think it's going to go? Yeah. Okay. Keep uh, going. That's fifteen hundred bucks per fifty three limited partnerships, and uh, he screwed him right there. He 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 did him wrong. Because if your property's in California, you've got to have your limited partnership or your LLC or whatever it is in California, guys. Uh, Let me talk about that in a minute. Where do you put your LLC? You remind me, okay, Denise? Uh, But uh, these two doctors, they get me on the phone and they say, Lee, we're not worried about asset protection anymore. Our lawyers got all of our money. How do we get out of this? So don't let these guys shove you over the edge. The lawyer will set up as many of these things as you, you'll you let him because he's getting paid $5,000 per every one he puts up. So you got to watch it, guys. Well, you know, he got his lunch money, didn't he? Oh, he got more than lunch. He got dinner, too. I guess he did. And a boat. So let's go before I forget where do you form your LLC I know you're talking a lot about California not knowing anything or much about this at all I would assume probably incorrectly that you need to form your LLC wherever your property is physically located well I'm going to cut to the chase on your audience you form your LLC in the state where you're doing business or where you own the property end of discussion. Now, there are groups running around saying you got to have a Wyoming LLC, you got to have a Nevada LLC, a Delaware LLC, 
there's a group running around saying you have Utah LLCs and for $5,000, they'll give you three Utah LLCs. I'm actually licensed in Utah. I've got to hear their pitch because I don't understand how they can even pitch it. Uh, Wyoming, maybe I could understand the pitch anyway. <laughs> but the answer is you do not have a Wyoming, a Nevada, a, a New Mexico, a Delta. You do not have an LLC in any state other than the state where you own the property or you're doing business. It's a scam, guys. If you're doing business in every state, fine. Let's set it up in Wyoming. Wyoming has pretty good laws. Uh, but if you're doing business in Florida, uh, if, if most other states, uh, they have specific laws. You have to register the Wyoming or the Nevada or whatever it is, LLC in Florida, where you're doing business or where you own the property. And now you're doubling your work. Now you're doubling your, your expense and your work. Right. Because you got to hire the guy in Wyoming to be your registered agent. You can be your own registered agent in Florida. Uh, no problem. That's where you live. Fine. The registered agent, the only function is a physical address where the sheriff can show up and hand you a lawsuit. That's the only function of the registered agent. So be your own registered agent. Fine. You're in Florida. If you have a Wyoming LLC, you registered in Florida, you have to. Then Florida law says you become 100% subject to Florida law. They don't need to go to Wyoming. They don't care that there's a Wyoming L LLC. You're subject to 100% of Florida law. Exactly where did the Wyoming LLC get you? And the answer is you can't give me a reason you have a Wyoming LLC. Oh, but wait a minute. Wyoming LLC is private. I can have the registered agent put his name on the LLC in Wyoming and nobody knows that it's my LLC. Well, yeah, but when you register in Florida, you say, okay, Wyoming LLC. Yeah, but I got to have a registered agent in Florida. Okay, I'll hire a law firm to be the registered agent in Florida. Well, they're going to sue me. They're going to give it to the, to the law firm. The law firm, the guys in Wyoming, they're not going to answer my complaint. I've got to answer my complaint. I've got to do everything. And by the way, I can tie you to a piece of property or a company 60 ways to breakfast. If you think there's such a thing as anonymity in today's society, you got another thing coming, guys. Yeah, no kidding. Why would somebody, and I'm sure there's valid reasons, but I can't think of one. Why would somebody want anonymity? Anonymity? Why would they want their name off of a piece of property? I'm not, I'm not. Well, because they're under the theory, which really isn't true. The, the lawyers check and see how much property you've got before they sue you for the tenant. Oh. The tenant. Okay. And if they don't know who owns it, then they don't know that I'm the deep pocket. In reality, they're going to file a lawsuit. They never check to see what it is. They, they assume there's insurance or something. <clears throat> so they're going to file a lawsuit anyway. And 
and it, it's going to, I had a guy, I, he wanted me to do asset protection for him. And I was working with him and I'd say this and he'd say, no, nah, I can't do that. I'm anonymous. I'm off the grid. They can't find me. And finally, I threw up my hands and said, okay, give me the address of a property. I don't care if it's in an LLC, a corporation. I don't care how you own it. Give me an address of a property. With that address, and I'll give it to you that I have access to databases. The general public doesn't, but lawyers do. And I'll give it to you that it cost me 60 bucks. I was mad at this guy. And I submitted the address. I came back with about a 30-page printout. I had every bank account this guy had ever had. I had every property he'd ever touched. I had every insurance policy he'd ever signed. I had every partner he'd ever. I had everything on this guy. I faxed it off to him and uh, didn't hear back from him. For a couple of days. He was probably drinking somewhere in a really sleazy bar trying to give himself a headache. Uh, no, he, he called me back after three or four days. And he said, okay, anonymity doesn't work. Now what do we do? So this concept of I'm going to be anonymous. I'm going to have a Wyoming LLC. It's It's garbage, guys it's it's just forget it you're wasting your money just stop paying your fees to utah or wyoming or nevada or delaware or wherever it is and just go with your local state where the property is or where the uh or where the uh where you're doing business are you making if you're doing business in more than one state you got to have the company registered in more than one state. If you've got real estate in Florida and real estate in Ohio, I'd probably have an Ohio LLC and a Florida LLC because the cost is identical. Okay. Lee, we're boy, we're just about out of time here, but I do have a couple of questions. One of them is, can you set up your own LLC? We're talking a lot about attorneys and people who are going to you know, either try to help you or not. And with once you have set up an, an LLC, how do you maintain it? What are things that you must do to maintain that LLC? You're you're absolutely right. And those are great questions. Yes, you can do your own LLC. I've got a kit that lets you do it, for example. And I'm going to tell you, I think you can do it better than 80% of the lawyers in your state. And the kit is subject to it shows you how to do it in each state uh but uh so yeah you can do it it's really easy to set it up you go to the state website and answer their questions and give them your credit card that's it uh then you do have to have your operating agreement your bylaws the the rules that you're going to play by you have to have the rule book uh so you've got to create that and and that's a little more difficult. That's private. You don't file it anywhere. And you do have to follow what we call formalities. Because when you get sued, the whole argument is, your honor, this isn't a real company. This is just this guy's alter ego. Well, and 
Uh, so <laughs> you then got to prove that you treated this company as a real company and not just your piggy bank or your alter ego. And we've set out kind of rules the courts follow. Did you hold meetings? Did you commingle money? Did you do all of this stuff? And those are called the formalities. So those are excellent questions that you ask and we can go, I mean, I can do a whole hour on how to do formalities, uh, but just know that you have to prove that you treated it as an arm length, an arm's length company. You didn't commingle your money. You got your reimbursement when you spent money on behalf of the company. You didn't use the company check to buy steaks for the barbecue Saturday night. All of this stuff. And that's what you have to prove. Uh, I do have, uh, if your listeners are interested, I can give them uh, a 20-page what I call LLC mini course. I've written up each one of these sections on uh, on the formalities and how you file it and, and, and that sort of stuff. It's free if, if you wanted to offer that to your folks. Oh, I'd... please do. I was going to ask where people can find you online and what your preferred means of contact are. So please share. Well, let's set up a link. I'll have them set it up today. Uh, let's use uh, Legalese. That's my website, my company, L-E-G-A-L-E-E-S. There's only one L in the middle, even though it's legal and lease put together. Legalese forward slash dot com forward slash Denise. Should we try that one? Perfect. I just wrote that down. Okay, terrific. Lee, before I let you go, is there anything else you wanted to share with our audience? I mean, this has been a fascinating conversation. I've been taking notes like crazy. I don't know much about what it is that you're talking about, but now I really want to know more. So where can people find you? Uh, just at legalese.com. I don't take clients, so I'm not going to represent anybody or do that sort of stuff. I'm one, semi-retired, and two, uh, I've concentrated on educating people about these things, not doing the work for them. Understood. It has been, I, I sincerely appreciate your company today, and I've learned so much. I always hey, Call me back, Denise. We can, do a, uh, we can do an hour on taxation. We can do an hour on all kinds of stuff. Let's definitely do that. And before I let you go, um, and you've already shared where people can find you, but I just wanted to tell you thank you. I always say that my guests on this podcast in so many ways become my mentors, and you have very definitely mentored me and our audience on things that scare us to death. So thank you, and I really appreciate it. So for our audience, as we end today's episode, I'd appreciate your feedback. If you found our insights helpful and enjoyed the show, please support us by reviewing and rating it on iTunes. Your feedback is really crucial to my mission to inspire and empower more individuals. So don't forget to subscribe, review, and share your partner in Success Radio. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you soon. And Lee, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Great to be with you. Thank you. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab 